For more than a year now, we've been investigating what I call the nine slices of the disciples' experience of Jesus right from the beginning. And before we dive into what is the ninth and final slice for the next few episodes, I just want to remind you where we've been. Those original disciples had encountered Jesus. They had come to know his personality and his power. They had received his words and been taught to obey them. They then experienced, they saw, they came under the glory of the cross, then the resurrection, then his ascension to the right hand of the Father. Then they were taught how to approach the throne of grace with confidence. Then we just finished five episodes looking at the power of his Holy Spirit sent directly from the throne room to their human hearts. And as I said, today and for the next four episodes, we're going to be looking at what I would describe as extending the realm of the kingdom of heaven. This is what you and I would call, let's say, the book of Acts and all the rest of the New Testament. So in this episode, I want to make right here at the beginning a series of, I think, inarguable and yet often unspoken observations about what I think everyone in the world, not just Christians, but everyone in the world is really looking for. We want lives which transcend the mundane conditions of normal human life. We want certitude, stout-heartedness, even fearlessness. We desire family, and that's even beyond our normal, often broken definitions of family. We want first-handedness with that which is divine, meaning actual, palpable experience of God. We want peace, unity, love with our fellow man. And we want the feeling at the dawning and the ending of any day that we can, let's call it, open our hands, surrender, be at peace, and all will be well. Friends, I believe that is what every human being that you will encounter in any given day of your life, and frankly, you too, that's what we want. Now, I want to tell you a few things that I believe the ascended Lord Jesus is wanting to see. Lives which meet with his in spirit and truth, i.e., in the supernatural. He wants that people would take on his outlook as they look out at the world. He wants for all to come and sit at the family table of heaven, constantly communing with himself and the Father and the Holy Spirit. He wants that he might still reach out and touch the hurting, the ill, the broken, and the lost through his people. In essence, that he might yet experience humanity just through us now. He wants that the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom which, by the way, is peace, unity, love, might continually be arriving unceasingly. And he wants that he can hand his work safely, even wisely, 
unto people. These are the things I think the Lord Jesus is presently feeling sitting where he is at the right hand of the Father in the throne room. And by the way, if you notice, the goals of his heart are the perfect answers to every hope of the human heart. Do you see that? We long for, let's call it, unboring, certain, loving, supernatural, lovely, God-experiencing lives. And he longs to use our lives in spiritual, clear, affectionate, powerful, heavenly, infused with him ways that are the definition of what life is. So what I want to do in this episode is very simple. I just want to drop you right into the middle of a piece of scripture. A place, in fact, we were standing just a couple of episodes ago. This is that moment when Peter and John are on trial before the Sanhedrin after their healing of a man who couldn't walk. And if you recall, the council, the Sanhedrin, has just been amazed at the qualities of these two humble fishermen and, quote, took note that they had been with Jesus. That was Acts 4.13. Well, now, I want you to listen to the remainder of that chapter, but... I want you to listen from the standpoint of humanity, from that place where everyone wants more, wants something else, sometimes something else that the human heart can't always yet define. So this is going to be Acts 4, 14 through 35. I might pause a couple of times, but this is straight out of the Phillips translation of the book of Acts. Since the council members could see the man who had been cured standing beside John and Peter, they could find no effective reply. All they could do was to order them out of the Sanhedrin and hold a conference among themselves. So picture that for a moment, those two men being escorted out, probably hands bound, while the Sanhedrin, the high priest and all of the elders, many of the Pharisees, Sadducees are sitting there in this sort of like semi-circle looking at each other stupefied, unsure of how to proceed. That is the atmosphere of that council chamber. What are we going to do with these men? They said to each other. It's evident to everyone living in Jerusalem that an extraordinary miracle has taken place through them. And that is something we cannot deny. Nevertheless, to prevent such a thing spreading further among the people, let us warn them that if they say anything more to anyone in this name, it will be at their peril. So they called them in and ordered them bluntly not to speak or teach a single further word about the name of Jesus. And friends, I have to interject here. One can imagine an exceedingly long pause (laughs) as John and Peter turn and look at each other and then look back at those men. For Peter and John gave them this reply. Whether it is right in the eyes of God for us to listen to what you say rather than to what he says, well, you must decide. For we cannot help speaking about what we have actually seen and heard. And after further threats, the council let them go. They could not think 
of any way of punishing them because of the attitude of the people. Everybody was thanking God for what had happened, that this miracle of healing had taken place in a man who was more than 40 years old. Well, after their release, the apostles went back to their friends and reported to them what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they all heard it, they raised their voices to God in united prayer and said, and friends, listen to the quality of this prayer. This is the picture of what our prayer life is meant to be. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. And just to pause again, friends, I want you to imagine these brothers and sisters, the ones who have come before us, the ones who are our forerunners in this new covenant. Just imagine in this moment, even after praying those words of David, after speaking these words in prayer to their heavenly father, to the Lord Jesus, by that Holy Spirit who is theirs, imagine collectively their shoulders sort of setting back, the posture even of their bodies becoming very stout as they pray this. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had thus prayed, their meeting place was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God fearlessly. Now, among the large numbers who had become believers, there was complete agreement of heart and soul. Not one of them claimed any of his possessions as his own, but everything was common property. The apostles continued to give their witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with great force, and a wonderful spirit of generosity pervaded the whole fellowship. Indeed, there was not a single person in need among them. For those who owned land or property would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sale and place them at the apostles' feet. They would distribute to each according to his need. My friends, I want to reread to you my observations, again, of what I think every human heart is longing for. And I want you as you listen to my little bullet-pointed list, by the Holy Spirit within you, even to be reflecting on what I just shared with you, which was just the straight words of Acts 4, 14 to 35. So listen again to the list of what I believe, and I think you know to be true, that the human heart is really desperately longing for. Listen, we people want 
lives which transcend the mundane conditions of normal human life. We want certitude, stout-heartedness, even fearlessness. We want family that's even beyond our normal, often broken definitions of family. We want first-handedness with that which is divine, meaning actual, palpable experience of God. We want peace, unity, love with our fellow man, and we want the feeling at the dawning and ending of any day that we can open our hands, surrender, be at peace, and that all will be well. When you listen to that, and when your heart echoes back to you those words from Acts 4, what are you seeing, hearing, what are you experiencing in the Lord? Now, how to about what Jesus wants? I already shared that with you. I'm going to do it again. When you think about Jesus sitting there at the right hand of the Father, even now as you're listening to my voice speak these words, and if it's true that these are the things, in fact, listen again to the things that I believe Jesus is looking for in our day and our age. He looks for lives which will meet with his in spirit and truth i.e. in the supernatural. He's looking for people that they would take on his outlook as they look out at the world. He's looking for all to come and sit at the family table of heaven, to be constantly communing with him, the Father, the Holy Spirit. He's wanting that he might still reach out and touch the hurting, the ill, the broken, the lost through his people. In essence, that he might yet experience our humanity just through us now. He wants that the kingdom of heaven, his kingdom, which is peace, unity, love, might continually be arriving unceasingly. And he wants to hand over his work safely, and I would say even wisely, to people like us. When you listen to that list, when you picture him looking out upon our lives, what are you hearing as you listen again and think through what I read to you from Acts 4? My dear friends, thank you for listening. And I do pray that as you and I stand more fully in the grace that has been offered to us, that we would receive our own inheritance from the Lord Jesus. And by that, by its empowerment within, that we would extend this realm as far as we can in our lifetime. Thank you so much for listening.